Hello, everyone. You're listening to the I Go with Ego podcast, bringing you guests with first-hand experience in studying abroad and seizing personalities excelling in the workforce. We want you to own your journey and be the best you can be. Now presenting your host, Ego Kelly Ekakite. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the I Go With Ego podcast. I have two incredible guests today on the show and they they portray everything good and everything inspiring in the fight for a better world. We have London Bell, a lawyer, founder, and the president of the Bell Global Justice Institute. And of course, Himaja, a master's candidate in environmental health epidemiology at Harvard School of Public Health. And they both uh, the co-chair of the United Nations Association Women. Welcome to the I Go With Ego podcast. How are you both today? We are good. Thank you so much for inviting us here today. Yes, we're doing great. Great. Thank you so much. Absolutely. You know, I hope you guys are enjoying the, the weather. It's a little bit, you know, not so cold as it used to be from last two weeks. Absolutely. <laughs> it's been so nice. This is actually my Zoom background is a picture I took the other day. Um, so you can see uh, the snow and the ice kind of melting, yes, but we're getting there. Beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> I, I can't wait for spring. I love spring than the summer. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Cold. Could you tell my audience something about you? I know they would love to get to know both of you. So if London was to go first, then he might just go afterwards. Sure. Thank you, Nico. Uh, uh, hello, everyone. My name is London. Uh, I'm from Detroit, uh, raised in Detroit, and I am, uh, as you said, a lawyer, uh, founder, and president of Bell Global Justice Institute, and we are an organization working to advance uh, human rights for women and girls. And uh, I'm also a fellow, a 2020 African Descent Fellow for the United Nations Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights. Uh, and I'm excited because I also work with both ECO and Hemaja uh, on UNA USA. Uh, we're all national council members, and Hemaja and I are co chairs of UNA Women. So excited to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's again a pleasure to be here. Um, so my name is Himaja. Um, I go by she, her pronouns. Um, I am, like you said, currently a master's student in public health. Um, born and raised in Massachusetts. Um, I went to my undergrad at UConn. Um, and yeah, I'm Indian American. Um, that's something I'm trying to own more is my background, my heritage. So I am the oldest of uh, the oldest of three siblings um and it's honestly it's been great um quarantine um has obviously thrown a lot of things everyone's way but um one thing that i had the chance to do is spend more time with family and that's something i really appreciated that's a little bit about me absolutely well thank you both for being on the podcast again you know women have played a huge role in history and before i continue i'll say happy women's month to you both i'm glad you guys could make it here you know women have played a huge role in history as change makers as disruptors as agitators and drivers of the movement for a better world but the question is why do we celebrate women's history month Hmm, it's a good question. Emma Jo, would you uh, like to take it on first? 
Absolutely. Um, I love this question because I think you can answer it however you see fit. Um, you can answer it on the local level. One of the reasons why I feel really passionately about women's issues is because I see the disparities that my mom faced, that her grandma faced. Um, you know, my grandma really wanted to study medicine growing up and she ended up having, she ended up having to like go a different path and pursue a career in language, which she loves, but it definitely wasn't her first choice. And even just being a working woman in India was really hard for her. So I see, you know, the disparities that are happening, you know, in my own personal circle. And then, you know, through the work London and I do, we also see a lot of statistics. We see the disparities of women in the workforce. We see the disparities of women having access to quality healthcare. We're seeing um, the prevention of women from being able to access, um, you know, important resources for their education, for food security, you name it. There's so many disparities that are going in and all of these are intersectional. Um, and I think that, you know, that's one of the reasons why we celebrate this month. It's really, the entirety of this month is really just taking a moment to recognize how vital women are to the contributions of our society and how so underappreciated they are historically and currently. Yeah, I 100% uh, agree, Himaja. You know, it's uh, Women's Month is important to uh, to to outline to show the unique challenges uh, that women and girls face around the world. And also, uh, I think another important part of Women's Month is to celebrate the trailblazers, whether you're in, um, you know, government or you know the the UN or on your block making a difference. Women and girls are truly making the world better um, in all areas, uh, particularly through uh, COVID-19. We've had, you know, we have a lot of women working um, to support their families, um, working uh, through jobs uh, and going to school and raising children, sometimes all in the same day, you know, all at home, you know, virtually. And so it's, it's celebrating those triumphs that we're that we're doing too. Absolutely. You know, beautiful answers there. And it, it just reminds me too of my mom, you know, growing up, I grew up with my mom, you know, my dad left the town to go work and hustle, but she embodied everything. She's working, she's coming from the farm, she's getting money, she's teaching, she's training us, you know, so there's so much burden that the woman face and carrying society that i tell people my greatest role model is my mom even though she's late today but i still love her those virtues you know that she instilled in me and my siblings is what is keeping us going you know today and 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 i hope in the future as well too so yes yes yeah what, what are some of the biggest challenges that women face today you know and how would this this change in the next 20 or 10 years from now you know, one of the things that I see um, as a really, really big challenge um, is gender-based violence. Mm. It is, is, it's a devastating, uh, there are devastating statistics um, in, in, in Detroit and, 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 and beyond, all over the world. And um, I think there needs to be a turning point 
uh, a change in our culture, our society, and how we see gender-based violence, the role we see of men and women. And uh, there needs to be um, accountability uh, for the violence committed against women and girls around the world. Um, you know, through COVID, one of my biggest concerns about quarantining is there are going to be people that are quarantining at home that are, have already are already going through gender-based violence. And so more people are going to be in danger, more women and girls. So that's one of the biggest issues that I see in addition to, you know, having access to uh, health care and, um, and, you know, and jobs, particularly through COVID-19. But I think my biggest concern right now is gender-based violence. And Himaji, what about you? I 100% agree. I think that, you know, right now we're seeing the disparities in vaccine distribution for women and girls. And it's just one health issue. It's the, literally the tip of the iceberg for how many maternal and child and women's health issues there are that, you know, prevent a significant portion of the population from being able to access basic health needs, especially during a time like COVID. Um, and we see that, like I said, with the vaccine distribution effort, we see that with being able to access hospital care. We see that with more women and more women of color having to serve in required jobs that demand that they go in person. Yeah, these high risk jobs. So it's it's really through all these different factors that we see this disparity occur. And another issue that I think is is kind of related to this is the lack of women in power in, in positions of power and decision making capacities because as we see and we've this is something that has been discussed um both at the un and at the local level is that having more women in positions of public health leadership for example is vital to making sure that women and children and other vulnerable groups have access to care when you have representation at the highest level there's a little bit more certainty that the care and resources that vulnerable groups need will be addressed. And that's something we've seen. We've seen these gaps happen and they happen here in Massachusetts. They happen around the world. Um, so that's the, I think that's another thing. And I think it even just extends beyond public health. I think we just need more women in leadership positions. Um, and I think that's something, you know, uh, London and I always talk about yeah. when we talk about UNA women is because, you know, at the end of the day, having a seat at the table and having an active vote and an active voice in decision making spaces is vital to making sure that the voices of women and girls are represented in every sector. So I think that's another gap that we're seeing that we're actively trying to work toward bridging. And there are a lot of great organizations that are doing that. But honestly, the fight is just getting started. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely. You know, uh, you can take a look at history when women lead the difference between women's leading and men leading women do better off than men <laughs> i don't want to shit anybody but last four years you can see what happened and you can see what happened in other countries where women were presidents you can uh -huh. tell you can judge for yourself <laughs> you know <laughs> who's the most influential woman you know that dead or alive who has inspired you and um and how, how she inspired you um, I would say for me, uh, my mother, uh, Pamela, uh, she's my best friend. And um, she became a single mom when I was a kid, a, a teenager. And there were three of us at home, but she raised us to have strong values. And she 
got her bachelor's degree. She got two master's degree, degree degrees. She has a profession. She's in a professional role and she has been a community leader. She's gone to Capitol Hill. She's gone in all the places that I am now going because I saw her do it first. So she has survived so much. And so she's taught me uh, about hard work, patience, and you know what it looks like to be resilient. And, and so she is my role model and I, I still seek her counsel on everything. <laughs> so absolutely. what about you, Hemajan? Honestly, I echoed that completely. My mom is one of my biggest role models, um, someone I look up to and kind of like what you said, London, like my mom too has gone through a lot of like turbulences and a lot of, um, a lot of difficulties in her life that she's had to overcome, um, you know, being in India, being a young woman, um, having an arranged marriage, you know, coming to America with very little support systems in place. Um, but I, I also want to highlight my sister um, because I feel like I don't talk about her enough, but she truly is one of the most inspirational people in my life. Um, she is so unapologetically herself and she like, it's been really hard for me as the years have gone by to be able to share my story. And honestly, I can say that I've been more confident in sharing my story and being more, you know, embracing of my background and who I am because she's done it. And she's my younger sister by three years. So, you know, she she constantly inspires me and it just really comes to show how, you know, the people in our life, whether they're younger than us or older than us, can hold important places in our heart and can be the reason why we do what we do. Yeah, my my young, I have a younger sister that's exactly three years younger than me. She is a social worker. She is absolutely brilliant. And I look up to her. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm with you there. <laughs> uh, there's something about we, the younger ones, we just try to do, uh, do our elders, but it's okay. Same thing my <laughs> elders, brother and sisters tell me, that you do so much, you're everywhere, you know, like, well, that's me, you know, that's life. <laughs> You know, I, I was telling my friend today that it's amazing how when you ask kids who the role model are, they always call the mom before the dad. Dads have to do better. Dads have to do a great job. Honestly, we have to do. <laughs> we have to do better. Honestly, yeah. Uh, you know, apart from my mom, I would say um, uh, Mama Winnie, Madiki Zela, Mandela is my role model. Apart from whatever they said happened, she did then, but she was one of the reasons why Mandela was able to leave prison. She kept on fighting for justice, for freedom, you know, for, against appetite. And she's someone I look up to as an African, like, yeah, you know what, Mama Winnie, she's my bestie, you know? Yeah. So, yes. <laughs> so. yes, I agree. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, thank you, Himaja and London. You've heard from my two wonderful friends. We'll come back from the short break. We'll go on to talk about you in the USA. And we'll go on to talk about all the wonderful and good things they have to do in the future. We'll be right back. Hi, everybody. Welcome back from the short break. I still have my wonderful friend, London Bell and Himaja here. And, um, you know, our beloved Eleanor Roosevelt once said, a woman is like a tea bag. You can't tell how strong she is until you put her in hot water. I don't know why she said that, but you know, how does this quote relate to feminism and the struggle for equal rights? You know, when I think of this quote, I immediately think, um, we're not going anywhere. 
we are here we've been here we're gonna be here and we're gonna continue to move towards the goal of gender equality and gender equity and we're going to as as the generations move forward even more people are going to join us mm -hmm. and so when i think of uh particularly of eleanor roosevelt i think of that because look at what she was able to accomplish mm -hmm. you know as first lady of the united states as you know uh part draft of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. I mean, you can go on and on. So she is just an example, and her quote is an example of, we are here, you know? Uh, that's, that's, that's what comes to mind for me. <laughs> I 100% echo that. I think that, you know, one thing that we, we always say is that when we talk about gender equity, and advocacy around gender equity. A lot of people that are in this movement that are advocating for these rights are people that are in this fight because they have personally experienced inequity, inequality, and they've experienced it maybe in their everyday life, or they've seen a loved one experience it, or they've seen it on the news. And it's never, like I've rarely seen it not be personal for women to talk about women's rights. And I think that's a really big thing because that means that when we talk about gender equity and, and, and gender equality, and we're talking about equal rights in healthcare, in the workforce, mm. in whatever sector you're thinking about, we're talking about it because we've seen it, we've experienced it, we've lived it, we've seen the struggle and We've been inspired by people who have struggled in the past, who had to have struggled because they they put everything they had into making these rights so that we would be here in this moment, raising our voice to address other inequities. Mm. It's kind of a weird dynamic, but it really, it really just speaks to how long this effort has been going on and how personal this effort is to every single one of us. And even if you're a man, that doesn't mean that you talk about gender inequity or inequality from, you know, a third person perspective, because when we talk about gender rights, we're talking about LGBTQ plus rights. We're talking about, you know, men who maybe saw like their moms or sisters or women who were significant in their lives go through struggles and go through difficulties. And so gender, and that's one of the reasons why I think that this type of advocacy is so special because you rarely don't talk about it from a personal perspective. Every single one of us has a stake in it. Um, and so, yeah, just, you know, that's something I think London and I always reflect on, you know, and we especially reflect on it during this month is that the reason why we're doing this is not for anything, but to raise awareness and to, you know, talk about maybe our personal experiences that have shaped us to this moment and that we know may not be individual to ourselves. Um, the struggles that we've gone through, others may have gone through more, others may have gone through less, regardless of what you've gone through to get to this point, you know, there there is still inequality and it manifests in so many different aspects of society. And so inevitably you do speak from the heart with this. And so, yeah, I love this quote about, you know, <laughs> only knowing your strength when you're in the fire, because I think that for a lot of gender advocates, you know, they've realized the strength of their voice because they've been through that personal trials and tribulations to get to that point of being like, no, my voice is needed in this space. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well said. Absolutely well said. You know, you in the USA, 
do you want to tell my audience about UNA women and why women should get involved in advocacy and as well as join UNA USA? Yeah, uh, UNA USA. Um, what what can I say? It is is it's an extraordinary organization. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, it it has been a life changing experience for me personally because of my ability to have access to all you know UN advocates, gender equity advocates, um, you know, around the country to be able to go to the UN and hear from UN experts. UNA Women is an affinity group of UNA USA and and um, our purpose is to effectively engage UNA members and partners and the general public on gender equality, gender equity, and the intersectional human rights uh, of women and girls locally and globally. And so we have we have a large number of our UNA members uh, who who belong to UNA women. And so, you know, we have a lot of different programming and I'll let Hemaja tell us more about the programming that we have, but yeah, it's, it's a great program. Thank you so much, London. Um, it really is a great program. I think both London and I will 1000% um, agree on the fact that, you know, UNA women and being part of UNA USA has changed our lives and has made us stronger um, advocates for causes that we've cared about, but maybe weren't sure exactly how to navigate in the advocacy realm. Um, at least that's how it was for me. Um, yeah, UNA women has a lot of great initiatives that we lead. Um, we try to host, um, we try to host webinars on a monthly, typically it's a bi-monthly basis. <laughs> we were just talking about this the other day. Um, <laughs> um, so normally with these um, webinars, we'll try to make them as interdisciplinary as possible. Um, London led this really great webinar on um, women and disabilities um, and the additional challenges a woman with disabilities face in our society. Um, we've also held recently a gender-based violence um, webinar where we invited a group of community leaders from all across the country who were doing work in their local communities on gender-based violence to speak to our members about the work they do and how we can get more involved um, in advocacy for gender-based violence because oftentimes it is talked about as an issue that happens internationally and that doesn't manifest on the local level and that could not be more untrue. Mm -hmm. And I think that London London said it really well as kind of one of the big areas um, of, of interest um, at the UN and UNA Women um, addressing gender-based violence. Um, we also um, host a lot of things around the Commission for the Status of Women. Um, so London and I love what we do for that. Yes. We normally Yes, it's like it's literally our favorite time of the year. We put together a delegation this year because it's virtual. We have I think almost 50 delegates who will be representing UNA USA at the Commission on the Status of Women. And for those who don't know it, it's the annual UN conference um, purely focused on gender equality and women's rights. Um, it's a really heartwarming conference to be a part of. Normally, London and I use it as an excuse to go to New York, but this year <laughs> it's all virtual. <laughs> so it'll be via our computers, um, but very fun, very exciting times for that. Um, and we are actively you know, working to get our members 
you know, represented in all the different forums um, and town halls within the Commission for the Status of Women. Um, and another aspect of co the Commission on the Status of Women is the parallel events they hold. So um, London and I um, will be hosting um, a, U a panel on behalf of UNA Women. We're so excited for it. We have representation um, from all backgrounds on that. Um, and then London's hosting her own parallel event on behalf of Bell Global yeah. Justice. It's yeah. honestly just such a, ch a charged time. But yeah, London, do you want to talk more about that? Yeah, and we'll make sure and send you the information um, for both. Um, yeah, um, I'm excited. Like, <laughs> you know, parallel events, there's going to be like 700 parallel events from organizations around the planet. Mm. Uh, that will be talking about all things gender equity, women and girls empowerment. And um, yeah, uh, UNA USA will be hosting a parallel event called Together We Can, mm. uh, Ubuntu for Gender Equity and the SDGs. And so we're going to be talking to uh, local um, women who are community leaders uh, working to uh, fulfill the SDGs through a gender lens, uh, particularly through partnerships uh, throughout uh, throughout their communities. And so that's gonna be wonderful. We have uh, four speakers and Himaja and I are going to be panelists. And then on March 24th, uh, my organization, Bell Global Justice Institute, will be hosting a parallel event um, called Visible Voices, an intersectional and intercultural discussion on women decision makers. And so Himaja is gonna be on that panel. And I'm excited because we're gonna be talking to uh, community leaders, uh, women from different backgrounds and cultures on how they navigate decision-making spaces, just where you were talking about a few minutes ago about you know being in space, spaces where you have a vote, where you have a voice. And I'm gonna, we're gonna hear from women who are doing that and what that looks like what that feels like. Um, so yeah, one of, one of the other things I wanted to add about um, UNA Women and Bell Global Justice Institute is that uh, for me, being a part of both, what I really appreciate are the stories, the storytelling, you know, um, women, uh, the women and men who belong to UNA Women are, you know, they tell their stories, we bond, um, through and it's it's intergenerational, uh, it's intercultural. It, it is just people from all backgrounds are sharing um, their stories, but also learning how to take the information that we do share with each other to you know go out there and and do the work. And same with Bell Global. So um, I think that's what I most appreciate about doing the work. Wow, it's it's so fascinating. Now I I want to be a part of it so bad. I just remembered my friend from South Africa told me in 2018 he came for the UN Women's Conference in in New York really? and he, he anchored one of the sessions. So he's going to be virtual this year because he can't come off COVID. He's still he's back in South yeah. Africa. So I, I look forward to attending. Please, I'll ask you guys for the link. I need the links to attend. So yes. Oh please. yeah. We will uh, send all of them. Yes. Thank you, yes. Thank you so yes. much. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So. May Jemson, the first black woman to travel in space, once said, "Never limit yourself because others limited, because of others' limited imagination. Never limit others because of your own limited imagination." Why is this sentiment so important, and how does it relate to Women's History Month? Hmm, that's a good question. Himaja, would you like to to go and and give us your thoughts? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that the whole concept of women supporting women is is one that is is paramount. Um, and it's really, and I think this kind of comes back to why I love UNA USA so much is because you really, you develop a network of, of friends, mm. of friends in the advocacy space. And for me, I didn't realize the importance of that until I stepped out of it. And that's when I realized it is hard to be an advocate. It is hard to be in spaces where people don't understand where you're coming from, who don't understand that gender inequity and inequality is an issue. And it's really hard to empathize and to connect with people who don't think the same way you do. And it's refreshing to have a network of people. And I'm not saying we all think alike. And that's the beauty of it, because we all bring our different perspectives to the table. But we're all grounded in this realization that gender equality is a human right. It is something that every single one of us should have recognized. We should all have equal access to a good quality of life, to a happy quality of life. Um, and this should be this should be the case for anyone. And I think that that concept being grounded in human rights is something that I've loved being able to connect with other UNA USA members on. And so I think, yeah, like women supporting women, like finding your friends, finding spaces of comfort in otherwise places of tension, which we are basically surrounded with at this point, is very, very key. And I think we all play a role. And Ego, I really want to I really want to give credit to you. For example, you know, you creating this space right now for me and London to speak about our experiences in a safe and approachable manner like that in itself is you doing a huge service. Um, it's it's making us feel comfortable. It's making your viewers feel comfortable. It's creating spaces of acceptance and growth that are critical to moving forward in the right direction. And so it's women supporting women, it's men supporting men. It's about us creating these safe places um, and not only just creating safe places, but also actively working within these spaces to take action. Um, I think that's also a critical component of that. But yeah. Yeah, that is beautifully said. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. you. Know, and I want to add that, you know, when we think about um, imagine, you know, dreams and limiting our own imaginations or working to limit others' imaginations, it's like, what about the possibilities when we don't limit our imaginations? You know, the possibilities uh, are endless on, on how, um, you know, women and girls particularly can, can be a part of of the movement forward, you know? Like if we limited our imagination and we limited others, we wouldn't have Vice President Harris, you know? Um, we wouldn't have, um, well, Mae Jemison would not have been able to travel to space, you know? And so this, this quote to me reminds me of just continuing to to dream i think and to continue to continue to create spaces where others can dream and we all continue to move forward it's it's about you know creating those spaces those safe spaces london so. you connected my thoughts so well right there that was absolutely beautiful exactly you know because yep. we want young women young girls old women old girls whatever mm -hmm. age you are whatever background you are to dream of a better future um and it starts yeah. by creating places um and and 
gathering activism together and, and really creating consorted efforts that really drive positive change forward. So I love how you yeah. connected that. That was right. beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. London brought up our first female vice president. So we have our first female vice president, Kamala Harris, which I'm so excited for. You know, she's a, a woman of color that broke all the glass ceilings that have held us back over the years, you know? Yeah. So what does her emergence mean to women and girls out there? It, uh, it just, it, it, first of all, it just personally, it just means the world to me. I think I, I, I cried when I, you know, just, it just the emotion and, and a lot of the women in my family, we've just been so excited to see her rise and, and, and to be our vice president. And then I look at my little cousins. I have a little cousin who's seven and she is, she's very outspoken. She's very confident. And I, you know, she could be our, our vice president. She can be our president. You know, mm -hmm. she can be anything she wants. And still so to see Vice President Harris be able to do this, it just, it's a beautiful thing. It really is a beautiful thing. And so when I look at my little cousins, that's that's what I dream about for them. You know? <laughs> I absolutely love that. And I have an, I have an interesting anecdote about this because um, when I was at UConn, um, I helped run our TEDx UConn chapter. And one of the women that we invited as a speaker, she was an undergraduate student as well. And she was, um, she was on the campaign. She worked on the campaign for Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election. And she remembers because there was a whole rhetoric around the election about breaking the glass ceiling with Clinton, that maybe we can do this. Maybe we can like finally achieve this change that we've been waiting for for really long. And she remembers um, as one of the volunteers, she literally like was helping cut up like pieces of paper into like little glass shards and they held them. They like um, suspended them up like in these like balloons so that when Clinton would be announced as president if that happened, they would release all these glass shards. So it would be like she was breaking the glass ceiling mm -hmm. and the results came in and she didn't win. And that anecdote stuck with me till now because this is something we've been waiting for. As women, we've been waiting for change for so long. And to see to see Kamala up there, to, to see her in this leadership position that we've been waiting for for so long it just comes to show that change is happening mm. um and it's slow it's really slow to happen but it is happening and there is hope and i think that you know it's it's a very delicate balance of being enough pessimistic <laughs> to be motivated to continue doing the work because you realize change is still needed but there also needs to be an element of optimism as well yeah. i think we were privileged to be optimistic but i think that you know optimism plays a cool role in this because it gives us that that goal to attain for it gives us that hope at the end of the tunnel the light yeah. at the end of the tunnel that's yeah. the word i was looking for um and you know even though the glass ceiling didn't break with hillary clinton i like to think that you know we we saw it break with with kamala and we'll continue seeing it break and as more women 
climb to these higher positions of leadership, I hope this also, we also see a trickle down effect where we have young women in local positions of leadership also being inspired because they see their idols in these places doing great change. Um, and actually not idols, because we don't want to idolize anyone, okay. but they're role models in <laughs> role these places model. of change. Okay. There we go. Um, but yeah, it's honestly so exciting to see. Yeah, I, you know, just to add um, quickly, one of the things that I like about um, about Kamala is that she's so relatable. Mm. So when we see her, many of us see our aunt, we see our mom, we see our sister, we see our uh, homegirl, you know, so and, and that I think that brings us closer and, and inspires us to 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 keep moving forward because uh, of how we see her, how we see ourselves. So it's her, her role is very significant for mm. women and girls everywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, she, she embodies all we, we hope to be, the way she carries herself. You know, I told, I was telling my friend the other day, I said, she was ready for the moment. She was built yes. for the moment. She's always the first, the first. You you have to somehow be the first. I don't know how it's going to be, but just do something and be ready so that when the time comes, there'll be no stopping you. You know, yeah. I know that the glass ceiling will still be shattered very soon. In the next, in the next yeah. four, five years, six years, eight mm -hmm. years, it will be shattered in our time. In our yes. time. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. Before I let you both go, for young ladies and women that would like to get involved in UNA USA or get involved in UNA Women, how did they reach out to you and um, how can you do that? Uh, yeah, you know, yes. We, go to uh, unausa.org. Uh, the website is wonderful and there's so much information, so many ways that uh, a person can get involved uh, and then uh, join, join UNA USA. Mm. Uh, if you are a student uh, or a young person, is it 26 and younger? Yes. Okay, then your, your uh, membership is free. Um, and then there are different levels of membership. I think as uh, is, is low as $25, you can become a member of UNA USA. And at that time, join UNA Women, as well as the other uh, affinity groups. We have the Human Rights Affinity Group. We have an Educators Affinity Group, Young Professionals, and we all work together. So um, that it will be a great benefit to have more voices, uh, more powerful voices at the table. So yeah. Uh, start by going to unausa.org. Emma-Jo, would you like to add anything? I love that. Um, and also check out our social media. Um, UNA Women has a Facebook page. Um, London and I are also trying to do Instagram Lives. Um, I have to say I'm a little old sold with technology, so it's definitely been a learning curve. I remember <laughs> our first Instagram Live, I think I was late by five minutes because I was like, how do I go live? Like, I don't know. And I'm just pressing buttons. <laughs> we just hope it lands on the right one. Um, we love hosting the Instagram lives just because it allows us to connect to people in a really informal way um, yeah. and just share like what's going on and you know what are our hopes and you know any personal anecdotes that uh, we can share um, to others and also you know have people reach out to us and, and share their personal anecdotes because um, like London said stories are so incredibly powerful more than we can ever imagine when it comes to leading change. Um, so yeah, check out social media, uh, websites there, like London said. Um, and yeah, join your local chapter um, because at the end of the day, London and I do um, a lot of work to put out 
toolkits and materials and resources for our local chapters to use and be empowered and then go do amazing work in their own communities. Um, so definitely uh, join your local chapter um, because local action is really how we're going to achieve the sustainable development goals, including sustainable development goal five, which is gender equality. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Well said. Well, well you, you've heard it from two magnificent powerhouses in you and the USA. You see why I brought them on the podcast because they have such great wealth of knowledge in terms of human rights, women's rights, gender equality, gender equity. And I'm so grateful on behalf of the team to have both of you on the podcast. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you for all the incredible work you're doing, Ego. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, well, don't forget, guys, the, the COVID-19 is still real. Please wear your mask when, when it's your turn to take the vaccine. Please get the vaccine. Call your friends, call your neighbors and everyone around you. Because I'll tell you this, when it's my turn, I'll be the first on the line to get a vaccine. So mm-hmm. social distance till we are free to, to hang out again. And uh, please don't forget to follow us on all our social media handle at I Go With Ego. Thank you, guys. Stay safe. I'll see you guys some other time. Have a good one.